Everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, welcome on in. Happy Tuesday, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Want, uh, want to remind you to join The Big Show coming up on May the 30th at The Warehouse, 1967 South, 300 West. Price is so low, it will blow your mind. The Warehouse. I'm going to talk to Kurt Cragthorpe at the Salt Lake Tribune coming up here momentarily. Read his work online, sltrib.com. We'll, uh, of course, get some overall football questions uh, Kurt's way. Uh, Utah picking up another transfer linebacker. Uh, seems like Utah's been active with this transfer portal thing, and we'll uh, talk to him about that. Also, uh, he reported about uh, salaries and what Andy Ludwig is uh, is making. Two and a half mil over a three-year period, just to clarify. Yes. Yep. The Utes are uh, – you'd think that they were an NBA franchise or something. There's been some action there. Maybe more action there than there will be uh, – for the Jazz, I don't know. Hmm. All right, joining us now, writes for the Salt Lake Tribune. Read his work online, sltrib.com. He's our good friend, Kurt Crackthorpe. Hi, Kurt. How are you? I'm doing good, guys. I just asked Austin if you were back on AM after the Bees game, and he said uh, yes, so I need to give it my full effort. So here, I'm ready. You're on dual signals, Kurt. No pressure. I know uh, <laughs> okay. your nails under these circumstances, but yes, it is official. We're on two signals. Uh, All right, then. Have you geared up your 60 and 60 vote yet? You uh, Have you submitted it? Have you given some thought? I normally make that my Memorial Day project, so I'm uh, a little guilty of uh, procrastination, but I'll, I'll get it done by the end of the month for sure. All right. My, my question that I'm battling, uh, Kurt, is I'm, I'm digesting my ballot as well. Do I have one or two Aggies in my top five? I'm going to say one just because uh, Utah's roster is so loaded with NFL prospects this year. I think it'd be hard to make a case for two non-Utes cracking that top five, but but definitely the, uh, the Aggies have some personnel. See, I, to- I totally agree with you, and I, I had Utes all, I think all my top five last year were Utes, and most of those guys are, are back again this year, Not uh, maybe not Chase Hansen, but, but David Woodward is so good. I mean, how do you leave him or Jordan Love out of your top five, you know? Yeah, I think Woodward's the guy that belongs there. Love, and that's not to underspell Jordan Love at all. But Woodward is special. A lot, of, a lot of people need to know about him. So, Kurt, are you buying into the uh, the preseason, the early preseason hype uh, about the youth? I am in the sense that they won the South last year, and I'm going to go back and look, and I'd almost bet that media being who we are, that uh, probably 90% of the time the defending champ in the South has been picked to win it again the next year. And now the asterisk on that is history shows that has only happened one time, and even that was kind of a fluke because UCLA wasn't the true champion the first year of their uh, two-season reign. But having said all that, Utah theoretically should be a better team this year than last year, and and Arizona State would be the only team that really contended last year, and they lost their quarterback and great receiver. So, but yeah, just in that context, I I'm on board with the youth. They're, they're going to lose some games. And probability being what it is, I, I noticed that formula the other day that had them favored in 11 of the 12 games. But but the way probability works, that translates to about nine wins, which I think is about right. Kurt Cragthorpe with us. Kurt, coming out of spring, did you get a feel on just how much the offense is going to change? Yeah, it depends what the word change means. But I, I, I think the playbook itself, if you were to open a page of it, it would look a lot different. But, but philosophically, it may not be 180 degrees different. I, I think it's going to be fascinating, really. All my uh, storylines for the fall is just is exactly what Zach Moss's workload is going to be. I mean, everybody automatically says he needs to fall 30 times, but yet no college running back averaged more than 23 carries in the country last year. So it'll be interesting to see how much Andy uses him. But clearly, he made an interesting comment, and it was a PK question. I have to give 
Pat said it uh, after the spring game. He, he evoked a, a really good comment from Andy Ludwig, and that was is the, the Utah program always will should be defined by the tailback position. So that's that's his orientation. And, and but again, they they have to throw the ball just to truly succeed. But uh, but the, what, the, the, go back to your question about teams. What what's interesting to me is that is for example is the, the passing game itself is a lot different. It, it may not be that noticeable to people like us just watching, but but for example, the receivers' routes are a lot more structured and disciplined now in, in Ludwig's playbook. So, so things like that are, are a lot different. So for the from a playing standpoint, I think there was a lot to go through and learn in the spring. But when the product gets on the field, I, I don't think it'll look radically different than what we've seen before. Kurt, have you gotten your hands and mind around what the potential is for Tyler Huntley? I'm, I'm bullish on Huntley. I really am. I, I just keep thinking back to how well he played in October when the when the youth offense was rolling. I think they scored 40 points in three of the four games in October, and maybe even all four. And uh, I thought he played really well. So the only asterisk I've got on that is how well he'll be protected this year at it's been interesting to see how the offensive line has evolved both during the spring and after the spring to think that the coaching staff would go out and get two graduate transfers on the offensive line. That's, that's both reassuring and frightening in different senses to me. But I, but I think if uh, Harding does a good job with that offensive line and they protect him well, that, that I think there's enough guys to catch the ball now. And I, and I think Tyler will have a, a big year if he stays healthy. Kurt, it seems like Utah has figured out a way to use the transfer portal to their advantage or certainly be active on it. Tell us about some of these acquisitions after spring. Yeah, it's really been interesting. I was, I've, been, I've been kind of processing my last month of what I've been doing, and uh, I didn't picture writing five stories about player acquisitions in football <laughs> after spring practice. And that's, uh, I believe it's four grad transfers and one junior college guy that he has picked up over the weekend, the linebacker. But yeah, they, they, they lost a lot of guys in the spring, and everybody's a little bit alarmed about that, with, with like Arm Unshine going to Texas Tech, and a couple of guys, the O.C. Mariner, and Caleb Rep going to Utah State. And so they had some openings, and they've, they've done a good job of filling those. And, and again, going back to the, the depth issue about the offensive line, Kyle Woodingham spoke on that that last day of the spring practice about needing more depth at the offensive line and linebacker. And five days later, they lost one of their kickers, the guy who basically had won the job in the spring. So they went out and got a kicker as well. So the two linebackers, two offensive linemen, and a kicker have, have all arrived since spring practice ended. So I, I, I give those guys commendation for, for utilizing that portal. So of all those areas, Kurt, what do you think is the greatest uh, concern? Yeah, I still think until they get them on the field, offensive line is going to be an issue. I'm really curious to see what uh, the junior college transfer, Bam Olisani, looks like. He was a really highly recruited guy at offers from all the Power Five conferences. And uh, I know there was a little bit of concern about his being able to complete the academic requirements in Garden City College in Kansas, and he posted a picture with his diploma, so that's presumably a good sign, and he's on his way here. And, and if he can step into a, a starting role, he has all the physical attributes at 6'7 or 6'8 and about 330. And I, I feel good about about at least three guys on that offensive line. So if he becomes the fourth and then another guy emerges, I, I think they'll be okay. But that's, that's definitely the key area. I mean, I, th- I think that Utah, you just by nature, start with the premise that you're not going to worry about the defense. Even though they've, they've talked about some of the issues of linebacker, they seem to have stored that up. And the, the defensive line and secondary looks really good. So it all, it all means it's on offensive line for me. 
Kurt, uh, as you know, the Pac-12 has come, uh, come under some scrutiny over the past couple of years having to do with their payouts to their schools, transparency, officiating. There's been a number of, uh, of fires for Larry Scott to at least attempt to put out. But, you know, as far as the results on the football field, on the basketball court, they've been lacking uh, conference as a whole over the past couple of years. Do you think there's a correlation between the payout from the conference and the lacking on the field or court? I, I think I, I, I'm labeling them myself naive for not thinking there was a correlation before. Uh, kind of my logic was, how much money can you possibly spend? Well, I'm not giving colleges enough credit for finding ways to spend money if they have it. And so I think that has something to do with it. I mean, kind of the irony of this whole discussion for me is that I think back on being immersed in a, a whole year of covering the U of U every day and, and watching football and basketball closely. I, I thought the Pac-12, as it was, is constituted, was a lot of fun to watch in both sports. The problem being that you, you're just not advancing great teams deep into the postseason. So it's kind of the trade-off for that bit of balance that I enjoyed watching. It, uh, ultimately, you'd probably rather have one or two great teams than, than ten average ones. But but that's that's definitely something that's holding the Pac-12 back. And but I, I'm not sure money is completely the answer. But 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 again, I won't dismiss it as being part of the answer. Kurt, how great is the disparity between what Kyle Whittingham has accomplished and what Larry Kraskoviak has done? Yeah, that's a whole interesting discussion to me. I, I I'm actually doing a little start for a story coming up, kind of looking at how all of Utah's sports have performed in the Pac-12 over the eight seasons of membership. And and literally, the, the average basketball finish is higher than the football finish. If you look at football as a 12-team conference, even though it's aligned by division, the average finish for Utah football is seventh place in the 12-team league. And, and the uh, average finish for basketball is is right in between fifth and sixth, even starting from a more dire point that uh, Larry stepped into in terms of the players in the program. So, now, I mean, there's a lot of variables that go into that. It's basically harder to get better, faster in football, and I think a lot of us underestimated how difficult it would be for the youth to compete in the Pac-12 in football week after week because we've seen these snapshots of how well they did against Power 5 teams as a Mountain West school, but a week after week, as you've often pointed out, is, is, is a different story, and so the football gets a little bit of a pass that way, but but, but it's, it's generally speaking, it's fascinating to me that that youth fans endorse uh, Whittingham's work so much more than they do Larry Kustoviak's work, and it, it's an interesting phenomenon. Well, could that phenomenon uh, cost Coach Kraskoviak his job if he doesn't perform this upcoming year? It seems to me like the, the seat's getting a little hotter for him. Yeah, and that's where it gets really interesting in the sense that they're, they're kind of at a, a starting over point with this basketball program now. And, that, and I'm, I, I'm still only 99% convinced that Donnie Tillman's coming back. He has still tomorrow to, to withdraw from the NBA draft. But even if even with Tillman, they're going to have eight scholarship freshmen or redshirt freshmen next year, three sophomores and two juniors, no seniors. So the, it's kind of a moving target now evaluating that basketball program. I mean, it, it's kind of unrealistic to think you get to the NCAA tournament next year with, with eight freshmen on the roster. So that becomes four years in a row without playing in the tournament. And, and uh, People start to hold that against Larry, and so yeah. It, to me, the biggest question is, is, was what are the standards for that program right now, and and what will the standards be for 2019-20 with such a young roster? Kurt, what kind of difference have you seen uh, between what Chris Hill was doing, the way he was running the athletics department over there, uh, and now Harlan? Yeah, and I think a little more time needs to uh, go by to get a true judgment on that. But but I 
I think that uh, Harlan is an aggressive manager of the department. I, I would just say that. I, I think that, I mean, just the fact that they replaced the women's tennis coach without knowing anything whatsoever about uh, what went into that decision, I just I just think that's a little bit of a sign that, that these aren't uh, permanent jobs for life, even in the Olympic sports. And so I, I think it would be fair to say that Harlan has the department on edge a little bit from top to bottom. And maybe that's just sort of the phenomenon of someone new coming in after 31 years. But, uh, but yeah, he, he's, he's, an, he's, a, he's here to work. And he is an aggressive guy, in, both in terms of managing his coaches and raising money and all those things. He, he's getting a lot done already. Kurt, as always, thank you so much for a few minutes. We really appreciate it. Okay, good to talk to you guys. Thanks, Kurt. Kurt Crackthorpe covers the Utes for the Salt Lake Tribune, does a just a terrific job. He does. He's he's terrific. There's no doubt about that. Always has been. So we always love having uh, having Kurt on the show and covered a lot of ground there. Um, I think you know, in the as college sports evolved, Gordon, I asked Kurt about the transfer portal thing. I think the better coaches are the ones who are going to adapt with the times and really embrace some of these changes and find a way to take advantage of it and the coaches that have their foot stuck in the mud and say no we're we we like four-year guys and this sort of thing i i think are going to be the ones left behind you're going to lose some you're going to win some and so you might as well put yourself in a position to embrace it because it ain't changing right and so you've got to figure out a way to make it work for for you. And you know, an example of somebody who's done that in college basketball, I think, is is Mark Few. And even before this transfer portal, you look at some of the transfers that Gonzaga was picking up to fill out their their rosters, and they were getting castoffs from Kansas and Kentucky and all these these decent players from all over the country. And then you know, pairing that with some of the the homegrown stars that they had, and they've taken their college basketball team to the next level. He's really hmm. taken advantage of the transfers, and I they think got, they got the budget to do it. But, but I think Utah, and you look at these these players that they're picking up and these transfers that they're bringing in, it would appear that they're being really aggressive with it, even though they've lost some guys like COC Mariner and mm-hmm. Caleb Rep and uh, a couple of other guys. They're going out and they're bringing in these these other players and maybe it works out maybe it doesn't but i like it that they're being at least aggressive and yeah. trying to use it to benefit themselves instead of crying about it yeah i i agree with that and it was interesting what he said about uh, the difference between kyle whittingham and larry kraskoviak and the perception difference because there yeah. is that there is yeah there is i think kurt went back and and did the comparison between uh, what they've accomplished and uh it's uh, pretty close, according to him, and um, it doesn't seem like that. It seems more like Kyle Whittingham is definitely more appreciated, and maybe that's a function of just the sport they coach. Well, and I think the the winning lately plays into that because Witt almost didn't survive his down years in the Pac-12. Yeah, and those if- two uh, years where the youths were, what were they in conference, like three and six or – they were five and seven overall, two years in a row. I can't remember what the maybe were they two and seven one year. I'll have to go back and look. We'd I'm have not, to I'm not yeah. looking at it right now. But the point is, they were struggling, right? And so he then turned it turned it around with kind of a surprising season the year after that. And it seems like he's been building. Mm-hmm. Whereas Larry and and Kurt accurately points out that he was building at the beginning of their Pac-12 run too. But then he had his couple of years. And then since then, it's been a more of a decline as opposed to an incline. So I think it's it's part of the the journey. What have you done for me lately? Right. If Larry was still rolling off Sweet 16 berths, or at, at very least berths in the tournament, mm-hmm. I, I think if they had the same record, we'd be having a different feeling about Larry Kraskoviak. But he had those two good years with Pirtle and DeLon Wright. And then since then, it's the the program's been headed the other direction. Whereas it feels like Witt had his down years, and then he's been slowly kind of ascending the program, uh, culminating with the division championship last year. So I think it's kind of the way that they've got here too, which affects how we we judge both coaches. Don't you think? Is that yeah. making making yeah. sense? I I think the Utes in football are to the point now where. Where they, I mean, when when what Kyle is worried about the most is depth, that tells you the progress that they've made. 
because that was always a concern coming into the Pac-12, but they've got some really great athletes in that program. And more of them than... And look at what they're doing. Look at how they're sending them to the NFL. I mean, they take a backseat to no one in the Pac-12 these days when it comes to that. And when you look at the crop coming up this year, I hate to refer to people as crops, but you know what I'm saying. They got some absolute stellar athletes in that program, and the NFL knows it. That's why they draft these guys. And Utah is still using the same formula that they used in the Mountain West, where they're you know, diamonds in the rough and guys who are overlooked and then developing the crap out of them. Their and diamonds in the rough have... Uh, even even the ones that need a lot of polishing have gotten substantially better. Well, there's just a lot more of them. Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot more of them than they used to, than there used to be. And it seems like some of the teams that uh, Kyle coached that were in the Mountain West had, had a lot of NFL talent on them as well. It, it's uh, it's just. I don't have to go back and look whether it's increased, but it seems like it has. Join the big show coming up uh, on tomorrow from 3 to 6 is our friend Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic will be live in studio to discuss an FDA-approved breakthrough and permanent solution for ED. No pills, no surgery, no needles. We'll talk to our good friend Chris Mannix coming up right around the corner. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. Kurt Craigdorf, the annual Harris Poll was released this week, and Five Guys Burgers came in first and in and out second. Where do you stand on your burger ranking? I'm a traditionalist. Those haven't even entered my consciousness. I'm still the old franchise guy, so it's still Wendy's Burger King McDonald's for me. Wendy's is fourth. McDonald's is seventh. That's a travesty. This is like 84 again. You're like Brian Gumbel criticizing Barry Switzer. <laughs> Who is Five Guys served that I need? <laughs> Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. All right, let's go. Yeah, Austin, I, I'm starting to think that maybe boring songs for a theme today might have been a bad idea. <laughs> More bad idea than the Indy 500 talk? Yeah. Yes, because the Indy 500 is relevant. This is more relevant than the Indy 500. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk to Chris Mannix coming up here momentarily, so make sure and stay tuned. Actually excited. Uh, well, I'm always excited to talk to Chris Mannix, but uh, there's a lot of drama in the NBA. And Chris usually has a really good beat on this sort of thing, so we'll talk to him. want to remind you about our friends at Zero Res. Spring cleaning is here, uh, but it's way easier when you just call Zero Res. Schedule your carpet cleaning today and get your fourth room cleaned for free. Minimum supply. Schedule with Zero Res today. All right, let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Joining us now from Sports Illustrated is our good friend Chris Mannix. Hi, Chris. What's going on, guys? Well, we have a lot of drama to talk to you about, Chris, but let's let's start on the floor. How impressed with you or are you with Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors and what they did to the Bucks? Oh, really impressed. I mean, to go down to zip and then beat a team in four straight that the entire season had not lost more than two straight is was something to watch. Um, you know, Kawhi, I think he's really reestablished himself as one of the top five players in this league, and he did it all with an injury that I think is going to prove to be more significant than we thought at the end of the season. I don't know how much more significant, but you know, in, in talking to some of the guys in that locker room over the last couple of games, it's clear that you know he, he was day to day in in this series where you know guys would walk up to him and say, "You good? You okay?" Um, they knew what he was playing through uh, to get them to where they got, and I think it's really been a remarkable run for the Raptors and a remarkable run for Kawhi Leonard. I love Kawhi Leonard, and I love the way he plays. I love the way he handles himself. But, Chris, should I let go of what happened a year ago with the with the Spurs? It's still kind of troubling because I don't understand exactly what took place. Well, I mean, that's the big thing. I don't think anybody truly understands what took place, except that there was a disagreement within Kawhi's camp and Kawhi and San Antonio's medical staff about the injury, the treatment of the injury, 
the diagnosis of the injury and when he was ready to play. I think that's what it boils down to. I mean, I think Kawhi has proven in this postseason that he's willing to play through pain. I mean, he's playing through a lot of it right now. You can see when he lands on that right leg, there's a lot of discomfort, pain even, uh, in that spot. He's playing through it. Um, I think what it was last year was that it was a real injury that really affected him, and he was just anxious about you know, playing on it and didn't believe he was ready to go play on it. I, I think that anyone that questions toughness after watching him do what he did in that series against Milwaukee, I, I don't know what to tell you. If you think he's, if you think he's not a guy that will play through pain uh, after watching that, uh, you're just never going to buy into Kawhi Leonard. Chris, since we're not sure the status of Kevin Durant, whether he'll play or not, let's assume for a minute that he won't. Are the Warriors still a heavy favorite in your mind if he doesn't play? I think they're a favorite. Um, certainly not as heavy if Durant played. That certainly goes without saying. But I still think that the way they're playing right now and the star power that they have, I mean, outside of Kawhi, they're better than Toronto at, at most positions. Their backcourt is better the power forward spot with Draymond is better. Uh, they're, they're still an accomplished team, but it, it really, you know, decreases the margin for error. I mean, they, they they'll go from you know having you know uh, Alfonso McKinney and and Kevin Looney as luxuries in that series against Portland, the necessities. I mean, they're going to need these guys to contribute on the boards and and you know keep guys like Gasol and Ibaka. And this, this, that's a big team over in there in Toronto. They're going to keep them off the glass. It just you know creates a, a much bigger need for those guys to to play at a higher level. So I, I think that yeah yeah it's definitely still favorites in Golden State, but it, it opens the door more than a crack I think too for for Toronto to win this thing. Yeah, at least it's something fresh. You know, it gives us something else to look at, which I think is a positive. Yeah, I mean regardless of the ratings, um, and they've been down obviously in the Eastern Conference where. You know, the American market doesn't get those Canadian numbers, you know, benefit from that. Um, It certainly hasn't been great ratings-wise, but I I agree with you. I think having more parity is better. I think when you have, and and maybe they'll have this in foot a full level next year, but when you have five or six teams that legitimately believe they can win something, I think that's better for the NBA in the long term. Going from the court to uh, sort of the ridiculous, what do you make of these stories coming out of, Lakers camp and uh, for instance Rob Palinka's story about Kobe Bryant meeting Heath Ledger uh, and being inspired by Ledger in the dark night and all that but he had already passed away I mean what's going on here Chris yeah I mean look that that's something that Rob Palenka is going to have to answer because and first of all that, that's a weird thing to lie about if he was just making that up because he's too savvy to know that it's not going to get out. Now, maybe he, I don't know. I really don't have an explanation for it because the timeline just doesn't match like at all for when Heath Ledger died and when, you know, Kobe Bryant could have seen that movie unless he was given access to a very, very early screener, I guess. I mean, but even then, even then it just strains credulity. That That's something that, that Rob Palenka has to answer for. There was a lot of stuff in that story, though, that, I don't know that I care about like and I, and I I asked a bunch of GMs you know who had read the story what they thought of it and you know Magic Johnson being mean to employees that that's life I mean it just is I mean I feel bad for the employee that you know was having panic attacks after Magic shoot her out but it, it kind of goes with the territory doesn't it I mean if you're if, if you if you make a mistake and your boss yells at you I mean how many of us have been there like I've been there for sure where I got yelled at for for making a significant mistake and. Uh, that maybe Magic overreacted to it, but that's not the kind of thing that that rises to the level of of a controversy or scandalous or anything like that. So the workplace, the hostile workplace stuff, that didn't really affect me. What struck me, though, was, you know, the the influence that LeBron James' inner circle continues to wield within organizations is dangerous. It just is for the the health of an organization because, it it, you know, they they push David Blatt out in, in Cleveland and looked at, panned out for them. You know, Tyron Lute took over. They went on to win a championship. Uh, and now it, it seems like they did the same thing with Luke Walton, where they didn't want Luke Walton around, and ultimately he wasn't. Now, maybe Magic Johnson didn't want him either for separate reasons, but, you know, this is this paints a picture of LeBron James' inner circle once again wielding a lot of influence within the organization. I'll tell you, from things that I've heard independently, I believe it. I, I, I believe that still happens. And, look, it reminds me that, you know, the most success LeBron James has ever had 
has been in Miami as a member of the Heat. And the least influence his circle and the people around him had was in Miami with the Heat. I mean, he was quite simply just a uh, player with certainly a lot of respect from the coaching staff and could offer input as far as personnel stuff. But it, 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 he wasn't given any kind of authority there. And he couldn't, you know, look, he tried to get Eric Spolster fired early on. Everybody knows that. It didn't work because Pat Riley had Eric Spolster's back and they told LeBron to play. And not only did he win championships, but he became a better player playing in Miami. That's kind of the way teams should approach it. Now it's hard because to get LeBron, you have to agree to everything that kind of comes with him. And ask Cleveland, it's worth the trouble uh, for sure. But this stuff is just going to keep coming up. You know, and I'm not talking about the little things like the charter flat. I don't care about that. But it's, you know, mentioning to, to reporters and to Adam Silver and to, to, to all these other stuff, stuff that, that is being reported. Um, that, that's the stuff that's troubling, the stuff the Lakers uh, really have to figure out a way to address. One of my takeaways from the story, Chris, uh, or, or concerns, I guess, for uh, the Lakers organization is they, they've gone from having maybe one of the best owners in sports, in Dr. Buss, and then, you know, Jim took a ton of heat that he didn't know what he was doing, and I think everybody thought, oh, well, Jeannie's going to take control, and Jim's the problem, and she's going to fix it. And in that story, I, I came away thinking to myself that they just don't have strong ownership right now. Jeannie's being manipulated on all fronts and not – I guess uh, handling it all that well that she is aware of all this infighting and all the all the drama going on but hasn't done anything about it. Well, it, in a bigger picture sense, she continues to run you know one of the if not the most significant franchise in the NBA like a family business and right. that doesn't work. I mean, uh, I was among the many that was willing to give Jeannie Buss a mulligan after the Magic Johnson stuff didn't pan out. You know, you bring in you know the, the greatest one of the greatest Lakers of all time, uh, a magnetic personality who can help lure free agents, and you supply him with an ex agent like Rob Pelinka, and that that's worked out before. I mean, Bob Myers was successful, Neil O'Shea was successful. It's been a handful of guys that it's worked out uh, where they've they've gone from the agency business into the front office. It didn't work out, but I thought maybe she learned something from it. Maybe it's it's all about how you you can grow as as an owner. In that uh, in that environment, but then she turns around and does the exact same thing, where she, uh, you know, empowers Rob Plank instead of firing him. She, uh, you know, make just doesn't go out there and provide the infrastructure you need. And look, it's not hard to find out what the infrastructure should look like. Look across the hall. Look at what the Clippers are doing with hiring Michael Winger and Trent Redden and Lee Jenkins, even and, and like all of them, and Jerry West being part of that front office. They have built out one of the strongest front offices in the NBA. And the Lakers have one of the weaker ones uh, right now, where it's you know Rob Palenka and you know seven people with the last name Bus that's that around there. It just it doesn't work out well when that's your your kind of dynamic, and I think that's going to be a problem for them unless they address it. Chris, how much do you take from what you see in the playoffs as far as drawing conclusions? And an example would be this: Do you think as highly of Giannis now as you did before this last series, or did some of his shortcomings in that make you think oh, he's he's got to grow some more? Well, I mean, sure, he's got to grow some more. He's got to become a better three-point shooter. He's got to, you know, learn kind of how to play through playoff physicality. I think that's part of it. But I mean, I don't know what more people expect. I mean, his first deep trip into the playoffs and he gets to a conference finals and um you know he, he comes with wins away from getting to the nba finals i mean there's there's very few teams that you know assemble a team of young talent and say you know we're we're ready to win and milwaukee proved to be not one of them remember for all the the problems the raptors have had in, the, in their playoff experience they have playoff experience i mean the only team they'd lost to prior to uh you know prior to this year was was cleveland and you know they ran to the Cavaliers at various different rounds and lost to them. But Kawhi Leonard's a former Finals MVP, and you know they just had layers and layers of experience where the rap where the Bucks rather just didn't have any. So you know I, I assume that the natural growth of of Giannis will continue. That he'll become a better shooter. That he'll be better going into next year at what the tender age of 25. Uh, so I, I think he'll be better. So I, I wasn't disappointed at all, and I don't think any less of him after what he did in the playoffs. You know that's really interesting that you said what you said there because I think it has application to. 
the hiring with the Lakers, you know, hiring people to do things that they've never done before. And it, it, it does take experience. It, it helps to have been around the block a few times. Even Phil Jackson, when he he's a smart basketball guy, but being asked to do what he did in New York, it just didn't work either. So maybe, uh, maybe a shout out to all the old guys out there who uh, have learned a thing or two along the way. Yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 just the reality of it. You, you've got to have a certain level of experience to do anything in today's NBA, whether it's be an executive, be a head coach. Uh, how many college coaches have we seen come to the NBA and fail, you know, despite their level of experience at the college level? Um, it's just it's just difficult to do it. You've got to you know go through your growing pains, and and many great teams have done it. Uh, you know, the Golden State Warriors did it. I mean, they were early round eliminate ease, if you will, um, you know, before Steve Kerr came along and they made some of the changes that they did. Uh, you go through it, you get better, and Milwaukee, it's, it's up to their ownership group to keep that, that team together and spend the money to spend to keep that group together. It's going to be a very expensive offseason in Milwaukee if they want to bring everybody back. Chris Middleton wants a max contract. I think the market's going to be robust for Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, I don't know how they find a way to keep Brooke Lopez, but they should. Um, you know, George Hill, who proved to be more reliable than Eric Bledsoe in the fourth quarter. I mean, there's a lot of guys that, that you have to pay a lot of money to keep around, and it's going to be incumbent on ownership to do it, especially with Giannis heading into a year where next summer he becomes Anthony Davis. He becomes extension eligible, and if he passes on one of those $247 million extension, all of a sudden the Bucks are in a whole world of trouble. <laughs> Real quick before we let you go, Chris, what's the scuttlebutt in Boston over Kyrie Irving? You know, nobody really knows. Um, you know, I, look, I, I don't think that there's as much unanimity within the Celtics front office about bringing him back as there was maybe six months ago or certainly not eight, nine months ago. All that being said, the only voice there that matters is Danny Ainge, and Danny Ainge wants Kyrie Irving back from everything I, I understand. He believes talent wins in today's NBA, so he's going to do everything he can to bring him back. And you know, look, Kyrie's another one of those guys that has a really tight inner circle. Uh, it's his father. He's got a personal trainer there uh, that's around him. And, and it's, so it's tough to get a read on, on, on what he thinks and what his plans are. It certainly was a tough season for him, but I don't know. I don't think anybody in Boston's uh, believing that he's, he's not going to come back at this point. I think it's, it's more open than it was back when he made that announcement in October, but uh, they're certainly going to make every effort to bring him back. I just, Chris, I just uh, got a, a message from uh, someone, some of the odds makers in Vegas, and they have Kyrie Irving, uh, the odds of him, where he's going to start uh, next season. Uh, the New York Knicks, 2-3, to three, uh, Brooklyn Nets, 2-1, to one, Boston Celtics, 5-1. to one. That's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, that's I, I get that. Uh, you know, New York, he's from North Jersey. Um, you know, he grew up watching a lot of Knicks games. Um, he's always been connected there. The Nets, you know, certainly they'll have some cap flexibility and an interesting team to go back to. I mean, what what I'm, I'm curious to know about Kyrie Irving, now that he gets some separation, that's important too, like getting a little bit of separation from what was a really troubling season. Um, you know, does he still want the same things? I mean, he left Cleveland to get out of LeBron James' shadow and to – you know, kind of be his own man. He was given everything he could have wanted. He was given, uh, you know, a, a franchise in the city where his father played college basketball and was a star at BU in the 1980s. You know, he was he was given a franchise with an elite GM, a high level head coach, a roster that showed itself capable of getting to the conference finals without him. He was given everything, and if he walks away from it, it's his prerogative. I never criticize guys for 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 doing what 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 they feel right, especially when. People like us do it all the time, uh, but it's it's going to be you know kind of a referendum on on his last two years. He got he asked for a franchise of his own. He got it. It turned out bad, and he walked away from. It. That's what the narrative is going to be if he leaves Boston. Thank you so much as always, Chris. You're the best. You got it, guys. The great Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated. Always uh, yeah, terrific stuff. conversation. Yeah. Want to remind you to listen tomorrow for a Win Ticket Wednesday beginning June 4th. Come out and enjoy a Salt Lake Bees game in the new Ford Zone. The Ford Zone gets you a ticket on the berm and all-you-can-eat hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, and churros from the left field concession stand. Tickets are just 25 bucks each and are available all season long. Ford Zone tickets can be purchased at the ball, uh, ballpark box office or at saltlakebees.com. Food, fun, fans, and Ford brought to you by your local Ford stores we'll give you some tickets coming up tomorrow so make sure you listen got a fun not sports report coming up yeah, it should be a good one I'm, I'm excited about it we'll get to it straight ahead 97.5 and 1280 of the zone this is tony parks and austin horton i was thinking about that like you know your best humble brag is blank 
Your best humble brag. Yeah, our own chance to brag here. So, Austin, okay. fire away. I don't know if I should be proud of it, but I am. No one holds a grudge better than me. Yeah. You get on that list, you're not getting off it. <laughs> Okay, and I never forget you, and I never forget your phone number either. Yeah. And uh, I'm I'm pretty good at shaving my, my dome every morning. That's pretty good. Yeah, I don't no, you... cut it. I never I never cut it. Never bleed. I spoke at Hot Rod Hunley's funeral as Hot Rod Hunley, and I nailed it. Made people laugh, smile, and erupt in ovation at a funeral. It was a beautiful moment, and it was my honor to give a tribute to Hot. This was fun doing some weird flexes <laughs> today on the air. Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Check this out. And now your not sports report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. But I'm a creep. Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Welcome back. Thanks to Chris Mannix for jumping on with us in the last segment. He came. Uh, he joined us on the Sprint special guest line. Transform your vehicle into a smart connected car with uh, the Sprint Drive. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Right now it is time for the Not Sports Report brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online at LHM Used Cars. Dot com. Gordon, where are we going today? We're going to Dayton, Ohio. I've been to Dayton. Went to a wedding in Dayton. Did you really? I did. My buddy John got married. How'd you like there. it? That was a fun town, but I, well, maybe not fun town, but we had a good time. Did, uh, did why Dayton? Uh, that's where his bride was from. Ah, mm-hmm. well, that would explain it. Then. They were big fans of tires. They, uh, they met at Princeton University. How about that? Really? Yeah. So we drove out there. We, we did a road trip to Dayton, Ohio. All right. It was uh, fun. What was it? What's the lay of the land? I don't know. It's like any other Midwestern town, I suppose. Okay. A fairly rural around the surrounding yeah. areas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, they've been having some troubling weather back there. Yeah. Right, uh, as uh, folks probably know. And uh, the other night, during a TV program, they interrupted that program to bring a uh, tornado update it wasn't a tornado warning yes Mm -hmm. it was and uh apparent the show that they interrupted was the bachelorette very popular television show and apparently you don't interrupt the bachelorette without some pushback some blowback as it were (laughs) some spinning blowback and uh this uh uh, meteorologist in uh, dayton he did interrupt uh, the Bachelorette and uh, w- saying it was a dangerous situation. Well, he, his name is uh, Jamie Simpson, and he uh, he did get some pushback, and he let the people know it. Can we hear his comments? This heavy rain is between you and the tornado. That's why this is a dangerous situation tonight. It's dark. It's also rainy. Uh, I was just checking social media. We have viewers complaining already. Just go back to the show. No, we're not going back to the show, folks. This is a dangerous situation, okay? It's nice rain. Think about this if this was your neighborhood. I'm sick and tired of people complaining about this. Our job here is to keep people safe, and that is what we're going to do. Some of you complain that this is all about my ego. Stop. Okay, just stop right now. It's not. I'm, st- I'm done with you people. I really am. This is pathetic. Sit dangerous situation here. All right. I'm sorry I did that. I'm just, it just really bothers me that we have people that don't care about other people's safety around here. That's just ridiculous. New tornado warning here. Oh, that's the same one we had uh, that's headed towards central and southern Mercer County. Not happy. No, Jamie uh, shows some emotion there. And it's not. It's not common that you see a television news personality or whatever you want to call them uh, lash out at viewers <laughs> like that. Just ignore it, Jamie. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> this is pathetic. Just give us the tornado warning, Jamie. Ignore the Bachelorette fans. You know, he probably did get uh, besieged. I'm with, done with you people. I With reaction. But really... Uh, it's not important. Just do your job and uh, stand confidently on uh, the importance of what you're doing. 
Well, and then the importance of the report. Did you notice that? I mean, yeah, he's, he's talking about the tornado warning, but then he's like, yeah, it's the same as it was. <laughs> he didn't have any new information. Did you notice that at the end? So yeah, it's, it's still li- right here. So it's a little bit like that other unfortunate New tornado situation. warning here. Oh, that's the same one we had. That's the same one we had. <laughs> so in other words, pay attention to me. It's not about my ego. <laughs> Leave me alone online. Leave Brittany alone. What's this guy's name? <laughs> Leave Jamie alone. Jamie Simpson. He's just uh, bringing you the weather. I do no, I do look forward to using this drop on Gordon, though. Just go back to the show. When we get off that on is some funny. tangent. Just go back to the show. <laughs> just go back to the show. <laughs> Isn't this a little reminiscent of the, when they interrupted uh, the golf tournament? See, yes, I, it, it did come to my mind. And this was, I can't remember, somewhere in the southeast. And the, the winning putt, the, the tournament was culminating to this one putt. <laughs> And didn't he, like, strike the putt, and then they interrupted in the middle of the roll? Well, here, give it a listen. Anytime he's a chain. All right, Peter, you hold a number of these today. Well, a few if you're going to have nine birdies in one round. Can he get this one? Well, this, I think he knows what this one will do. It's not very much in the way of break. This is all about... All right, welcome back to our coverage of the weather event we had here throughout the afternoon hours. We're going to give you a quick look at what's going on. I want to tell you right now, all the tornado watches we have for our viewing area have now been canceled. Even that flash flood watch is canceled. So we don't have any advisories, any warnings, or any watches in effect for the region. Nothing's actually going on. Nothing. Nothing's happening. We interrupted the uh, tournament winning putt for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> you know, the problem with that is he isn't even apologetic. He doesn't give a flying you know what. New tornado warning here. Oh, that's the same one we had. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if you're going to interrupt, I get it. It is a matter of safety. He's right about that. People need to know. But I have some new information. I have some information to pass along. That's where people get upset. Nothing new. <laughs> it's all good. It's a bright, sunny day outside. And, and then the part, it doesn't work on radio, but on that putt is they the guy came on the screen right as he hit the putt, and then he came off the screen and the, they were off the green. They didn't get to see it. It was over. That was a Heidi moment from back in the day. Yeah, you gotta, It was a Heidi moment. The football game interrupted by ah, Heidi. Yeah, You've got to... You've gotta, You've got to be sensitive to the people who are investing their time watching whatever it is they're watching, whether it's a golf tournament or whether it's The Bachelorette. And don't scream at them. Could you tell them that the tornadoes have been canceled after the putt goes in? Right. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe. Eight See, more that's seconds. What, that's what I'm they're not paying attention. They weren't, they weren't paying New attention. New tornado warning here. Oh, that's the same one we had. Give me the other one one more time. The putt? The putt yeah. thing? Nothing yeah. going on. Yeah, because the guy doesn't even Not even care. a flash flood warning. Listen. Anytime he's a chain. All right, Peter. You hold a number of these today. Well, a few if you're going to have nine birdies in one round. Can he get this one? Well, this, I think he knows what this one will do. It's not very much in the way of break. This is all about... All right, welcome back to our coverage of the weather event we had here throughout the afternoon hours. We're going to give you a quick look at what's going on. I want to tell you right now, all the tornado watches we have for our viewing area have now been canceled. We're good. Doesn't give a flying rip about no. all you people and what you've been watching. No uh, no sensitivity toward that whatsoever. Jim Furyk's mom was waiting for that putt to drop. <laughs> Never got to see it. Oh, come on. you got to be a little more sensitive. Uh, uh, the second guy, I mean, come on. Uh, first of all, uh, I don't like the sound effect. Why not? What would that sound like? <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Welcome back. And, and then the other guy lecturing everybody. <laughs> For getting upset. Just ignore it. We get it. It's your job. Just do it. Hey, I'm Starby Thunder here to tell you you're all safe and there's nothing to report. But seriously, some news director or some producer somewhere has got to realize if you don't have any new information. Be careful. Yeah. About what you're breaking into. Exactly. I mean, think about it. The Bachelorette is really, really important. New tornado warning here. Oh, that's the same one we had. <laughs> no on. new information. I'm, I'm it's done. the same one. I'm done with you people. And in the middle of his uh, breaking news here that wasn't news, he starts all of a sudden lecturing everybody. I'm done with you people. I really am. This is pathetic. Just ignore it, Jamie. 
It's all right. <laughs> give the, I mean, give your update, whatever you're going to do. And they get out. And they, but don't, don't stop in the middle of it and say, oh, and by the way, all you people who are watching right now are a bunch of pathetic idiots. Kind of reminds me of the lecture that Austin and I got at the beginning of the show about not watching the Indy 500. <laughs> I'm done with you people. I really am. This is pathetic. Yes. Save that part. Oh, man. Just go back you. to the show. Join Scotty and Hans at Pure Maintenance in Farmington uh, coming up on Friday from noon to 3. Fountain View Event Center, 164 West Promontory, number 200. Uh, coming up right around the corner, we're going to get into this uh, kind of big story about a prep star choosing to play professionally overseas. Not where you'd think, but still be pretty cool to go to New Zealand. We'll talk about that coming up right around the cor- uh, right around the corner. But joining us now from Technoglassy is our good friend Troy. Troy, happy Tuesday! What is up? Well, happy Tuesday. Hey, I hope I'm not interrupting any putts, you know, <laughs> falling. Uh, you know, I, I, this is not that important. I mean, you know, windshields are cool and all, but uh, yeah, certainly not worth interrupting a, a you know a winning shot. <laughs> Although you have the same amount of tornadoes to report, Troy. None. I, I have, you know, nothing going on here. Just, uh, you know, rock chip repairs in your windshield that are going to split if you don't get into a Technoglass and get them fixed. Hey, yes. Troy, at least you're saving people money. That's right. Those rock chip repairs are going to split across your windshield, people. Get them fixed now. Don't wait. There's no appointment needed at Technoglass for rock chip repair. Save your windshield. All right. Besides that we're also doing windshield replacements today for only 99 dollars. yeah for a brand new windshield brand new windshield from technoglass 99 dollars, 75 dollars for the installation and like most cars qualify like 85 percent of the cars qualify and it still comes with that great free rock chip repair warranty that we have and a 12 month no breakage guarantee that no other glass company offers and gordon the best part is you don't have to run in and have it installed tonight you just have to schedule the appointment you just schedule it for two weeks from now and you get paid whatever works for you but you got to call us by seven o'clock tonight to get it scheduled to get the 99 dollar price so uh you know i want to get you back to the back to the sports and back to those uh, game-winning putts, but call Technoglass right now, 801-562-2200. 562-2200. It is that easy. Just give Technoglass a call. You're the man, Troy. Thank you so much. 801-562-2200. Take advantage. $99 windshield replacement. Just 75 bucks for installation. Got to get on the schedule tonight before 7. 801-562-2200. 801-562-2200. More next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. A lot of times people will ask me if you wouldn't have been a professional football player, if you wouldn't have been a radio analyst, what would you have been? I always tell them a paleontologist. <laughs> I, We've done shows for a long time. You've never, ever mentioned that ever. I know. Paleontology? What? Maybe if you showed more I interest was, in the things I'm interested in. Was it just in? because of Laura Dern in Jurassic Park? Because you say that, then I'm like, okay, I got you. You know, Sam Neill was never right for her. Now, Dr. Hans. Dr. Hans. <laughs> Girl, nature always finds a way. I don't know how you guys take my dreams and just crumple them up like a piece of paper and throw it right back in my face. Oh, man. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.